welcome to We're Listening, the podcast all about Frasier. I'm Will. I'm Kay. And this week we're looking at Season 4, Episode 8, Our Father Whose Art Ain't Heaven, in which Martin buys a piece of art for Frasier after a tip-off at the Cigar Volant, only to have misjudged his son's taste. I just realised I did the classic brummy thing there, where I, I, I didn't front my Fs. I said father rather than father. Um, wow. Yeah, that, I, <laughs> I, I, was ne- I, was, I was never corrected as a child, so it's a really bad habit. I still try to iron out. Um, Nikki, I did just do a bit of sleuthing, and it turns out I asked you this question all the way back in episode four of this podcast when we did The Crucible, and it was about your favourite art or artist. You talked about genuine fakes. You talked about that great exhibition. Can you tantalise us with a single other artist or painting that perhaps you enjoy? If not, I'll just spend an hour talking about mine. Does it have to be enjoy or can it be things I dislike? Uh, you go for dislike because that's right. pretty much a, a, a theme of this episode. Well, gather around, kids. Oh, no. <laughs> old, old Papa Lee, he's got something to say. Well, a few months ago, I went to the Tate. Um, I was there about two weeks ago. Yeah, not actually to look at any art. I had a different event going on there. But, I see. <laughs> um, I went up, and on the like the stairs, mm-hmm. there's like these inbuilt speakers of like people growling at you, <laughs> like to make people uncomfortable as they were going in. Okay, that sounds One, very that, tighty. That's not art. Okay, that's yeah. that's just being weird. Um, I don't <laughs> I don't view that as art. So if it looks like something a child could draw, I don't regard that as art. Okay. I am purely realism. I don't like anything abstract. And you like your kind of you like your Baroque Renaissance yeah, kind of. I don't yeah. mind that. Yeah. I'm gonna be honest, the Mona Lisa, that's overrated. That's mm, tiny. It's so small. You see it, it's minuscule. I and, and is she smiling? Is she sad? Help us out there, Leonardo. <laughs> I mean, that, I'm telling you, that's an hour and a half's job, Max, isn't yeah. it? That's all. <laughs> I mean, um, I don't like the soup. Like that guy who just did soup prints. Andy Warhol, yeah. Like, that's not art, is it? I'm not, that's just I'm not a huge fan of that. It did feel like, yeah, Campbell's really got a boom from that. Yeah. You know? um, Basically, I like, you know, paintings that are like real, mm. but not prints, not abstract, and not too real. Because then I'm like, well, just take a photo. You know what I mean? You really, you really got some specific tastes. Okay. Um, I don't know. I like, I like, like Van Gogh. I, I don't know how to pronounce it because when I was a kid, we said we said Van Gogh, and everyone. I say Van Gogh now. Um, Vincent. I like Vinny. Vinny. Okay. Vinny was a cracker. love the song by you know, Don <laughs> McLean. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm fortunately for the art world, I'm slightly more open-minded than you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like, I mean, I don't know if you, I don't know, I don't know if this was at the Tate or. Uh, um, the another kind of modern museum of modern art in London, but there was there was something by Craig Michael, Michael Craig Martin. Do you know the one I'm on about? No, I thought you were gonna say Craig Michael Smith, the Peterborough striker. And, and I'm not him, not him. <laughs> um, but it's uh, basically he's a conceptual artist, which should m- oh, maybe God. throw up, that's gonna f- throw up some red flags for you immediately. <laughs> um, it's a glass of water on a on a shelf, and it's called an oak tree. And the and and in the description, the the artist Michael Craig Martin suggests he has transformed the, the glass of water into an oak tree. Um, has it, has it. It's only a- uh, only we can't see it. Um, so I I mean, anyone how, can say that. Anyone can go. Yeah, I've done this, but you can't see it. I can put a glass of water on a shelf, but I mean, it's always the, the, the argument is always, well, he was the first to do it. Well, you know, maybe he he. 
we should There's a set. reason no one did it before. Yeah, maybe that should set a precedent. This man should be locked away forever. I don't know. Um, I did like, I went to see, and I think you went to see it either the same day or like the following day. They did like students, um, it was at the Icon Gallery in Birmingham. Yes. Students like their artwork. And did I really like some of them. And then mm. I saw the price tag. I was like, I don't like it that much. But mm. um, I, I like some of them. Some of them were a bit weird. There was one that was just a letter. It was just like an envelope from Royal Mail or something. And they were like, ah, oh. <laughs> I didn't care. When I was at, it's so similar to that. When I was at the Tate like a couple of weeks ago, there was an exhibition on color and on like the use of just just white artists that only use white, like monochrome. Um, and someone had it was just a receipt on the wall from a co-op, and all of the things that had been bought were white, like mayonnaise and um, toothpaste. And it was like it was it was making us interrogate whiteness in commercialism or whatever. And I was just like. I'm gonna be honest. You know, I'm pretty open-minded. I'm, I, I like conceptual stuff. I like philosophical stuff. This is just a receipt. I could put a receipt on the wall and get put in the tape. I mean, yeah. come on, please. Although, that said, as much as I've been a damning critic of the art world, mm-hmm. um, I, I like, like the painting in this in this episode. I don't hate it. I it's really, not. I don't I admit, hate it. It's it's not something you'd put in your living room, maybe, but it's not a bad painting. It's got it's, a lot of like angst and yeah. kind of like the anguish of bullfighting. Well, he and... leans on the palette, but never never dominates. <laughs> <laughs> well, you insinuate. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's definitely it's definitely got some of those vibes. So yeah, I don't hate it. Um, and I'm surprised Fraser and Niles hate it as much as they do. Um, you know, so we'll we'll get to that. Um, but before we do that, Key, shall we tuck ourselves into Trivia Corner this week? Yeah, let's see how this goes. Excellent. It's been, it feels like about four weeks since we've sat down opposite <laughs> each other via Zoom, obviously, and uh, tucked ourselves in. So this is this is lovely. Um, we have just been discussing, we found this episode pretty hard to, to note take on and to make trivia in particular. So, and I haven't watched this episode, listeners, in about four weeks. So I'm going to forget most of what I'm talking about in this review. So bear with me. Okay, question numero uno for Yuki from our boy, Mr. Chief Knight. This is going to go first this week because he's the first one I've come across as I scroll down. Question one, at Le Cigar Volant, whose table do the cranes snipe? And what is the reason Francois cites for letting them have it? Okay, it's the guy who brings his own wine, I think. Yep, that's one point. But I don't remember his name. Um, I want to say it starts with a D. It does. It's like Durbin or Durban or something. Oh my god! Right, basically, yeah, Doctor Dubain. 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 Oh, it's probably it's probably Duban. Um, I'm 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 reading it as it's spelled because I can't remember from the episode, but it, it's probably Duban. Yeah. Um, especially if the French guy is saying it. Um, key, unbelievable. You, know, <laughs> you seem so so out of the woods there. Um, what is the name and homeland of the ice sculptor? I think it's Sven. Mm. And Sven, I'm assuming, comes from Sweden. The the most Swedish name imaginable. Well played, Key. Can you bring it home for a big three? Where did Maris get stuck in the revolving doors? Oh, uh, okay. I remember this because it, it's like Waldorf's, but it's not Waldorf's. It's like, um, is it 
Bergdorf's. Bergdorf's. Bergdorf's, yeah. Three out of three. Bergdorf's, the, wow. the luxury department store, I believe. Um, wow. So, very nice indeed. It's the Matalan of the Northwest. The Matalan. That, that is going to fall on so many flat ears <laughs> in America. Uh, I love Matalan. My nan loves Matalan. Um, trivia, finally, for this section, Keith, and run for your life. What are two interesting facts about Niles' line? Who was it who said that art in restaurants is on the same level with food in museums. What are two interesting facts about that? Um, I, I try wrong. just yeah. if you can just kind of think laterally about it. Don't try and get too into the weeds with it. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a tough question. Is it? The, is it like an? Is it that it's a Kelsey Grammer quote? Is it something Kelsey Grammer once said in real life, and he's quoting Kelsey Grammer? That would be interesting. That is a really good shout, but it's not what I've got here. It's actually that no one has ever said this. Niles is actually oh. just, Niles is coining it in the moment, which makes complete sense to me. Um, like food in museums is not a, I, that's not a like common analogy for something that's bad. I often say, you know, a wise man once said, and then just quote myself. Right. <laughs> you are very wise. It's very, to quote Joey Tribbiani, you're very wisdomous. So... <laughs> Um, and then the second point here is apparently there's an actual art exhibition inspired by that quote, which explores the relationship between art and food. I'd love to know what that is. Like, if that exhibition was literally... If that is bloody tins of soup. I'll tell you, I'll <laughs> back. If it's literally inspired by that that quote from Niles, like that's literally the, the provenance of the exhibition. And that's that's great. Um, it's artworks with like little bits of like toast sweat on the oh, sides. Oh, man. Uh, toast, toast sweat really gives me the heebie-jeebies. I won't lie. <laughs> Big time. Um, cracking key. I mean, that's a pretty pretty decent showing for you there. Do you want to hit me with yours? I fear the worst here. We're going straight down the middle because I struggled to come up yeah. with Eddie. So Lay it on me, Chief. Lay it on me. One, um, who was Niles trying to get to come to it? Get to, who was Niles trying to invite to his party? Oh, my God. You say you've gone for easy ones, Key. I watched this episode a month ago. Um <laughs> Who is he trying to get to his party? Yeah, you're like the Fraser King. You're, you're oh gonna, no, it's not you and Kelsey. That's, not, that's <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. Um, oh, sugar me. It's gonna be one of his like society friends, um, presumably. Um, can I have an initial K? Okay? <laughs> have a consonant, please. Have a consonant. Vowel. Um, vowel. Okay, initials. Want to go to the water closet because it's WC. Ooh, yeah. my initials. Um, WC. Could it be Will Carroll? That's Could it, I mean, twist be, we didn't see coming. He, he would be very lucky to have me at one of his parties, I'm sure. Um, WC. Wendy Catalonia. <laughs> Is it Wendy oh, Catalonia? The bosom chum of uh, <laughs> Kennedy Burnick. Um, I've got Winchet Cook. Oh, Winchet Cook. Yeah, that yeah. rings all the bells now. God damn it. Okay, question number two. Let's go. What is the name of Daphne's date? Marshall. It is Marshall. Oh, thank God, man. Carol bringing it home. From the phone call, I remember. Big Marsh. <laughs> Um, question number three, and this one is definitely the easiest of the three, so I'm sure you'll get it. Okay. What is the name of the artist? De- decor- 
It's Cordova, Cordova. Yes. Yeah, I nearly said De Cordova because I'm thinking of Bobby De Cordova Reed, the, <laughs> the, the footballer. A lot of obscure football references so far. There is, there is. <laughs> also, there's going to be some Simpsons because I watched uh, Summer of Four Foot Two in bed last oh, night and for, forgot how many amazing lines there are, particularly about Homer and Millhouse. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's just amazing. Um, it's like, I only get two weeks of annual leave. You expect me to spend it at your beach house? <laughs> um, okay. Right, uh, over to MK Key. Thank you for yeah. your questions. Um, no, over to, to Hammy, I should say, to see things to a close. Martin claims he still has his police badge from his 30 years on the force. Why is this incorrect? I think I might know this. Again, it's on, I'm going I on think a you will. basis. But in like cop films, they're like, give me your badge and your car. No, sorry, give me your badge and your gun. Mm. And I think he should have handed in both his badge and his gun. Absolutely correct. All those confessions he's got under his bed as well. I'm sure <laughs> you made me it. lose my mind. <laughs> um, absolutely correct. My dad, obviously, for 30 years in the police force in the UK, he had his warrant card, which is the same as the badge. You have to return that. Um, the amount of times I saw him flash that over the years, just terrible. Um, he, he didn't want to wait in the queue at Melbourne. So it's like, oh, hey, I, you joke, but I am, that is painfully accurate. Um, <laughs> if he was returning something to like curries and they were like being really like obstinate, he just like slide it on. The, on the, I was like, this is just not, this doesn't wash anymore. Um, question two key. When the three crane boys leave the kitchen in disgust of Daphne's cooking, what do we see visible in the top corner of the screen? And we might call this an error. Um, A production error. I haven't got a clue. Um... What, what kind of things creep into shows for that could be classed as a production? Is it a Starbucks cup? Mm, I like that. I mean, Starbucks is from Seattle. It's actually a microphone on a boom um, oh, be okay. being held by a crow. So we get a little glimpse into the fourth wall there. Yeah. Um, actually, no, we're the fourth wall. So are they the fifth wall? Who knows? Um, <laughs> yeah. is, is, this, is this thing pentagonal? Um, how many wild horses would it take Frasier uh, would it take to drag Frasier to a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie? Oh, God. Um... Quite a lot of uh, tricky questions here from, from Hamish this week. I, I hope he doesn't mind me saying. I've got no idea. Isn't Yeah. But I don't think you would order... I think it's going to be like a team or a group or a gang. Like... It'll take, I don't know why in my head I've got a gaggle of wild horses. A gaggle? Because I don't, you don't usually go, oh, it'll take seven. You don't usually specify a number. You would specify, like, you say, oh, it'll take a, a, a group or a gang or a flock. So I'm going to say it'll take a gaggle of wild horses. I mean, if that's your answer, I guess technically no, but you're barking up the right proverbial in that he doesn't specify a number, so it's a bit of a okay. trick question. Hammy's, Hammy's teasing with you. It's your leg he's pulling this week. Um, a little bit of a a little bit of a little bit of toughness. Um, is, is gaggle is a gaggle of something, isn't a it? A gaggle of geese, yeah. That's it. That's what I was thinking. Here's a, a couple of good ones, then, Key. Um, what is a murder? A group of something's a murder. Is it crows. And finally, a parliament. Oh, I don't know parliament. It's but, also uh, a bird. Oh, um, idiots. No, it's it's also a bird. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I haven't got a clue. A parliament of idiots. <laughs> I just, I just saw what you were doing. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I just thought you were going to play it completely straight back and go down the line. Oh <laughs> uh, no, it's a parliament of owls. 
Um, oh, okay. very, oh, they do seem very like authoritative and regal. They do. They're very regal. Um, I get it. Okay, last two this week. Key. Trivia for Niall Crane. The wine rack Martin give no- gives Niles. How many holes are there for wine? How many how many bottles could this rack hold were you to be I think functional purpose? Quite, I don't I vaguely remember it being quite tall, or at least thinking it was quite tall. Yeah. But I also like remember thinking, and, and this could be nonsense, is that there was like I remember them being a little bit like disjointed in terms of size. I feel like some were bigger than others, and some mm-hmm. you may not have actually had to fit wine in. A bit like I, a kind of tessellated thing. Yeah. Going on. So I'm just going to go completely random and say 13. Oh, it's actually six, um, which is, which, which, yeah, it's a lot less than than I thought too. Um, But then I guess, you know, six bottles of wine kind of vertically, that's like, you know, about 45 centimetres or so tall. And that's probably what it looked like. Um, There we go. Thank you, Niall Crane. And finally, Caitlin to see us out this week, Hot House Orchid. A real-life restaurant gets some free advertising in this episode, as yes, it is mentioned it on two separate occasions. Name the restaurant and name the two restaurant-specific menu items that are mentioned. Uh, it is McDonald's. Mm-hmm. And the waiter makes a joke about um, Big Macs. Because yes. he says... Um, I think he says, like, I think when they're saying, well, I'm not paying, he goes, oh, would that be three Mac- Big Macs to go then or something like that? Yes, I, when he says, "Oh, he says like, well, I'm not going to have any wine or something." Oh, yeah, when he says, "No, yeah, when we can't pay." Yeah, um, and then I think he makes a joke about uh, happy meals as well. I think he says three happy meals to go, and he says they can't pay. And then when he says he doesn't want, he doesn't want any wine that evening. He says, oh, yes, yes and I will have the Big Mac after yeah. my shift tonight. Um, spot on. Quick capsule review: McDonald's key. Are you a fan? I. The thing is, I like McDonald's. I really do. I just don't mm. find it filling. Don't you? Whatever I have at McDonald's, I'm still gonna be hungry after. Really? I mean, I find it filling, but I just find it makes me feel awful, like greasy and dirty and unhealthy. But God, it's delicious. Um, it's so good, isn't it? The okay. chips are like nowhere does chips like McDonald's for me. No, that is true. They're iconic. And the chicken nuggets, I just oh, oh the barbecue sauce. Oh. I can go into McDonald's and just get packs of barbecue sauce and leave again. I'll be Honestly. fine with that. What a world we live in. What a world we live in. Um, Let's hop into the review this week, Key. Can you tell us what was on Animation Watch this week? Was it a helicopter? Yes, it was. Chopper Dave, back to haunt us again. I wonder if he was uh, keeping a watchful eye over us as we made notes. Before we go into the main review... Oh, um, you're titillating me here. We had a little bit of a chat beforehand about how this maybe can be considered a bit of a filler episode. Mm. Um, but interestingly, one of the main cast rates this as their favourite episode. Yes, I've read you, this. But do you know which one? Oh my god, that's such a good little thing. I've definitely read this, but I don't know. I, I can tell you actually, we've already had three of the main cast have already given their favourites. So there's two that haven't. So if you remember the ones we've already had, process elimination, you've got 50 50 chance. I. I don't remember the ones where I think it's one of the men. Um, but I mean that I mean that it's a pretty broad guess that because that narrows it down three out of five. Um I I'm I dare I say it, I'm gonna go with Frasier, Kelsey Grammar. I thought you were gonna say John Mahoney. Oh, is it John Mahoney? But you'd have been wrong because it is Kelsey Grammer. Yeah, no way. No yeah, way. Kelsey really, Grammer's... this is he's on the record as saying that. Yeah, so during the week of the week commencing the 5th of October 1998, um 
Paramount's Comedy Central, Ed, the five episodes picked by the Frasier cast as their personal favourites, with a one-minute introduction by each cast member. And this was Kelsey's pick. The only person we've not had yet in the run of the show is Perry Gilpin. Um, John Mahoney had Travels with Martin. David Hyde-Pierce had Author. Jane Leaves had Daphne's Room. And Kelsey's Our Father, whose aunt, Art Ain't Heaven. Wow. So interesting. I think he really must have loved the uh, relationship between him and John Mahoney in this episode, particularly the ending. I think with a bit of like the badge, I think it really resonated with him. There's a lot um, of expansion on their relationship for sure. Yeah, but we will we'll get to that in due course. We will. I mean, it's it's, it's worth noting obviously that that was only four seasons into the show, and Kelsey's picking a very recent one. So I wonder how much that would change if they. If they'd done it in 2005 when the show had ended, you know, 2000, yeah. end of 2004, I wonder if it would still be his favorite because it feels like a little bit of a, a kind of left field pick to me. Um, it is. It's certainly not, it's nowhere near my top 10 or 20. Well, that's a spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't mind it. We, we talked um, about like there's a, there's a deep comfort to the fillerettes, but yeah, I mean, cards you know. on the table, I'd be very surprised if we get too many people saying this is in my top 10. It's, you know, yeah, but, but, but for those who have that. like artistic inclinations, you know, I like episodes that have got a particular. I love to Crane's critique because it had a literary vibe. You know, if people like art, then it could it could definitely be up there. Um, Jean Claude Van Damme is mentioned now. Is Martin watching him on TV? Uh, no, I think they went to see to the cinema to see. Yes, it. they did. Uh, um, was it the the muscles from Brussels? Do they call him that in this in this moment? Because I've also no, put not, that down. Not in this moment, but that is like his. It was his like nickname, wasn't it? All I can hear is Simon saying it in season seven. The muscles from Brussels <laughs> will ply his trade against the forces of evil. Um, yeah, but I do think that he um, he jetpacked into the Vatican and subdued that nasty Pope imposter. I I made a note here. This really seems like it preempts Angels and Demons by Dan Brown. Have you seen or or read that? I. I've seen it, but it never resonates with me. I just, I forget what's happened by the end of it. I've, <laughs> I've read The Da Vinci Code, like, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago, and, you know, found it a pretty titillating read, um, as, as as did most of the world at that point. Angels and Demons, I know Ewan McGregor plays some kind of, like, leading Pope antagonist. He's not a Pope, but he's, like, high up in the Vatican. He jumps out of a plane at some point, um... Like with a parachute, all the cardinals are doing these days. Honestly, there's a lot of valences here with this and and the Jean Claude Van Damme film. So maybe Dan Brown had a pretty close ear to Frasier when he was crafting Angels and Demons. Um, It's interesting that it's right in this first scene for the first time that we hear that you know Martin's upset because he wanted to pay, Mm. and that the tone is set right at the beginning that Martin feels perhaps a little bit emasculated, and which I think is a good premise. Mm. I think it is, and. And you can see Martin as a guy who is obviously very proud. He's, you know, he's got his principles. He's, you know, in, in his view, he'll, you know, he's cared for these, these kids and things like that. He's helped to raise them. And then all of a sudden, they don't need him anymore. They don't rely on him. You know, he doesn't really necessarily, from his perspective, like financially, they might say he doesn't serve a purpose and things like that. And so I can see why he'd want to pay. But at the same time, if you were loaded, if you're a millionaire and we were going out, I'd, I'd want you to pay for dinner, mate. <laughs> Would you indeed? If you win the lottery, we go McDonald's. It's on you. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna ask you what's your kind of etiquette. You know, say, okay, say, hmm, 
say you're you're out on a on a on a double date with a particularly you know rugged handsome you know you alpha... want to go on a double date so a, I know what this is going a particular rugged handsome alpha male let's just for the sake of argument say it's me um you know <laughs> and my significant other um we're having a lovely plate of you know dishes of food the bill comes it's fairly sizable i you know, I've maybe had a couple of extra old fashions than you have, or maybe I've had a couple of extra side dishes. And I say, shall we split the uh, shall we split the bill four ways? How do you approach that? Do you do you just immediately go, mm, I prefer if we paid individually, or do you just suck it up and bear it and then grumble about me all the way home? Uh, the second option, I'd grumble on the way home. Okay, <laughs> it breaks my heart that you would grumble about me. <laughs> Take that back right now, please. <laughs> no, I'm not a contentious person, and I wouldn't really care if... Mm. Um, if you did turn around and you're paying, right? I'll be like, what? Um, but beyond that, I don't really care. Um, mm. What's the difference? What's an old fashioned, mate? You know? What's so, an old fashioned? What's, what's an old, old fashioned fashion? between friends? What's an old fashioned between friends? Um, no, but no, I think we should definitely arrive that key. Um, it's got to happen. I think, you know, I went to Dishoom in Birmingham on a. Oh, little... I've been there. It's nice. Oh, my God. I mean, I know they've got these in London. You can barely get in. I don't know if it's in America. It probably is. I don't want to sound ignorant, but if anyone's been. On one of the best restaurant meals I've ever eaten in my life. Um, it was amazing. Food was great. Service was incredible. The old-fashioned I had is the best I've ever tasted. <laughs> you know. Oh my god. Yeah. No, I really like because it's sort of like a bit of a tapasy place, isn't it? In the sense yeah, of, with like an Indian fusion. Yeah, and I quite like that because I don't really. I'm not the sort of person I don't want to necessarily eat a full. You like to graze like a few dishes. I, yeah, I quite like having a bit of a sample of everything and then going on my way. Mm. Um, so well, yeah, maybe we, you know in the new year, a little I cheeky visit to this year. Another lockdown in the new year, but yes, yeah, so do I. Um, <laughs> moving well, on, we'll jetpack it out into the <laughs> and subdue that later. <laughs> um, Niall's now an absolute zinger. We haven't had uh, a zinger of the week for probably about six months now. Corey's wonderful invention, but this is my pick for this week. I thought this was the portion of the afternoon where we gave each other patently obvious advice. Right, it's just so good. It's just so cutting. It's just really like, you know, you shouldn't wear that tie with that shirt. And yeah, he's really riled up here, isn't he? Yeah. And it's a line you can definitely use in everyday conversation. Oh, he's so good. Um, he's so it, good. And it works so well. Um, so yeah, really, really like that line. Niles doesn't have a great deal to do, I don't think, in this episode. But what he, he does doesn't, do, as always... David Hyde Pierce does it fantastically. Really safe pair of hands, always. Yeah, um, he's definitely not the focus here. Um, yeah. Maris's likeness in ice. Um, what must that look like? One can only imagine. Um, which, which is warmer, do you reckon the sculpture or her? I'm gonna go with the sculpture. To be honest, <laughs> I think she'd probably go and she'd go over to the to the thing and like it would like just refreeze as she like touches <laughs> it. Um, Daphne Daphne gets them all out of the house because she says she's making sheets head stew here. Is this a genuine dish? Do you think I... this is an actual thing people eat? I think one, it's not a genuine dish, but mm-hmm. two, I guarantee someone at some stage in British history has made this. You're gonna um, just chuck a head in a bowl, aren't I you? I think it hasn't probably hasn't caught on, but I feel like sheep's head is quite distinctive, isn't it? And I feel like I mean if yeah, I I'm trying to have a look now. I don't I don't think I don't think it's a real dish. I don't think um people are just going out and chucking a sheep's head into a bowl and and having that, I, I can't say having just typed in on Google. Oh, okay, it was a real thing, it's not it anymore. Is, it is real. Um, during the second one, oh god, that's disgusting. Um, 
It, you just seen a picture of a head in the stew. Yeah, that's. Does it look oh, exactly like I imagine it looks? It looks smaller than I imagined. Probably uh, um, shrank in the in the broth. It was. Um, it was quite. Apparently, it was quite big during the Second World War. Probably because they were just using parts of the animal that they'd never used before because of rationing and stuff. Um, uh, interestingly, it's not just a British thing. There's quite a few. You got Scottish boiled sheep's head, Moroccan I mean, steamed sheep's head, Icelandic boiled sheep's head. So it's versatile. Christ, this is a cosmopolitan dish. Yeah, let's try and grill it next. I mean, sheep's sheep's really creep me out. Sheep's sheep really creep me out. Um, they, I love that. I love I love their wool, but I don't like the way they look at me. And they're they're pretty dirty creatures. Like they've always got like I don't want to I don't want to get into too into too graphic detail here, but there's always maggots um around orifices with sheep. Um, yeah, I'm not not, partic- thinking, not particularly pleasant farmyard animals. I just don't understand how rams aren't extinct because I feel like mm. at some state because they look quite like demons to me. Are the rams the ones with the massive like curved horns? Yeah, and they've got the eyes that look like demons' eyes. Yeah, and they do. They've got a big folk horror vibe. Someone in the Middle Ages didn't go. Let's wipe these guys out. Um, <laughs> Get rid of these. I don't know the way he's looking at me over the hedge. <laughs> yeah, I just I'm shocked that we didn't persecute them. <laughs> Um, so on the phone, Daphne's talking to Marshall. What the hell? Um, was it was it two episodes ago? She says it's gonna be ages till she dates again. Um, yeah, she's, um she was completely off men in mixed doubles, I think. Yeah, then um, a little Thanksgiving came along in which she barely featured. She was going down to San Francisco. Yeah, I mean now she's dating know, Marshall again. Do you know accuracy why they chose the name Marshall? Ooh. Um, I don't, but one of my, I've got two lines of thought. If a one, it's the name of someone on the show behind the scenes, or it's the name of Jane Leaves, his current partner at that time of filming. So I'm going to go with the second. Oh, well, you've nailed it. Yeah, it was the name of her husband. No way. And they could still be together. I don't know why I've spoken past tense. Shall we, know. shall we fire up a Wikipedia they, page? They are still together. Wow. The uh, stakes Marshall, really sealed the deal that night. Marshall Coburn, they married in 96. Oh my God! It's only like two two years after this. Uh, no, no, sorry, two years before this uh, this season. Yeah, he um, was. Let's um, have a look. Um, a CBS Paramount Television executive. It will actually be their anniversary in three days. So wow, happy wedding anniversary to Jane Leaves and Marshall Coburn. Well, they got together on the winter solstice. I wonder if it's some kind of like romantic. You know, did they go to Stonehenge? I mean, um, were they, is, was it a fe- was it like they're having sheep's head stew on the winter solstice? <laughs> like some pagan ritual, <laughs> uh, absolutely horrifying. Um, yeah, Daphne says, "You get the wine. I'm going to throw the stakes on. I'm going to throw the stakes on." Bearing in mind, it's probably going to take Marshall best part of 20 minutes, half an hour. Presuming he lives yeah. far away, he's going to get wine. I hope Marshall likes unedible car tire for his, <laughs> it's his meal. Well Those it? stakes are going to be rancid. Um, we've talked on this. We've talked about this before. How do you order yours when you have one? Oh, right. When I was younger, I was like medium to well done. Mm. But now I'm urging more towards medium. I thought you were going to say urging more towards medium rare. It's like yes, okay, no, yes. Medium rare, but, um, Medium's yeah. okay. Medium's okay. Yeah, I remember you giving me absolute pelters for well done when I was younger. Okay, man. Well done. You just. <laughs> That animal died for nothing if you haven't it as well done. At least give it, you know, a send-off. Um, this is our first time, Key, ever seeing the interior of 
The Cigar Volant. The Cigar Volant, um, which I think this is the only time we ever see it. Um, I realised in the episode the other day, I think with... Um, oh, what was on TV? We saw the interior of Shea Henry. Um, Frazier's Shea away from Shea. But um, yeah, I think this is the only time we ever see the interior of, of La Cigar Volant. What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it's nice enough. It doesn't look as good as I was expecting. Yeah, I was expecting something a bit fancier. I was expecting like Le Gavroche, like fine dining inside. Yeah. But... but it's so nice to finally see Francois. It is um, the custodian of the great I, cigar. I love Martin's um, approach when obviously he's going, he's kissing everyone, and Martin literally just grabbing his hand to prevent it. So classic. So, um, so classic. Yeah, it's nice. It's, it's a little strange, given how much they love the restaurant. Um, clearly, he hates the artwork. That mm. they didn't criticise the artwork on the way home. I yeah, they love to nitpick, don't they? They would have nitpicked about that, and they would have criticised on the way home. I'm surprised that they were evidently silent on that point. Don't they say something at the table when? Um... Well, he makes a point about artwork and food and things like that. But not they don't go into specifics about but, Cordoba or anything. Yeah, no, they don't. Or if they are, they're being very subtle about it and not particularly critical <laughs> because obviously Martin doesn't pick up on it, but they don't like it. So, yeah, it's a strange one. It is a strange one. Um, we have the art in restaurants, food and museums line, which I did flag. It doesn't, I don't really get the, the analogy, to be honest. I mean, I, there are plenty of good museums out there. They've got really nice restaurants, you know, and maybe they just mean like, you know, fast foody crap. I don't know. Um, wasn't quite certain where that was where that was going. I'd love to see a menu of the cigar volant. I mean, what do you reckon like an average priced main is here? Say a bit of sea bass at the cigar volant. I mean, it's gonna be extortionate, isn't it? You reckon be... you reckon it'll be like ludicrous because sometimes I think there's there is a bit of a I don't know what the word is, a disjuncture between like perceiving like fine dining and then the prices are actually like you know, the, the, the sea bass at the at the nice pub near me, a hundred yards at the road, it's probably about 17 quid, you know, 18 quid. Well, I don't imagine it's a million miles away at the Cigar Volant. I'd probably say about 24, maybe. I've never been in a nice restaurant. I'm like, yeah, that looks reasonably priced. I love that. And it turns out that's the side. Oh, like, yeah. And yeah, it's like chips, like 450 for a side of chips. I'm like, come yeah. on, chips come as standard. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing to me? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'd love to know from the listeners what you think uh, an average main at the Cigar Volant would set you back and how often you would go. If, if, if you could. I will also point out, um, before listeners write in and tell me I'm wrong, Fraser and Niles do expressly criticise the artwork. It's just when Martin's not there. Oh, I think okay. he goes off. I think he must go to the toilet or something. And, he does. And to that's use when they, Lacan. <laughs> yeah, to criticise. Yeah. Then that's when, that's when they criticise it. Um, and evidently, they, they don't criticise on the way home. Yes, because Martin would have heard. Um, yeah. Very, yeah. You see, you're right about that. Um, Haggis. Now, where? Why has Haggis come up? Um, is it mentioned? Um, yeah. So when they get back, um, yes. Obviously, we get the whole bit in the restaurant about you know Fraser basically telling Martin you can't afford this place. Yeah, it's um, pretty. It's a pretty hard hitting moment. But Martin also just kind of swallow the swallow your pride here, man. Yeah, like, but you're still getting a free meal, mate. Yeah, and it's a, it is it is too nice. Like you know, th there's levels to this. Like take them somewhere that you can afford yeah. and pay. Like I would have no 
bones about going out with someone who earns more money than me and then they then wanting to pay like you know it, it depends i guess like if it was someone i knew comfortably i don't mind if it's someone i don't know like i don't know i was on a double date and like the opposite you know male of, of, of the of the double date was like that then i'd feel a bit like okay mm, you yeah. know, that's well, a little. You can pay. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> you check book out, Will. <laughs> um, so I don't know. You know, it's a funny one. I do love Francois's reaction, but they're like, "Well, I'm not paying. Well, I'm not paying. Well, I can't pay." And then just him coming over and saying, three happy meals to go." Uh, three happy meals to go, which which weirdly implies the happy meals would be free of charge. Yeah, I mean, I respect that. I mean, um, I'd be like, "Yes, okay, let's uh, let's take let's take the sea bass to go." The other thing I'd make it from Martin's position is that. He hasn't chosen this restaurant. You know, Le Cigar Volant is not his his local haunts. You know, he's, no, it's not not. he's, he's never been. I feel that it would be, you know, it's different because he's not picking it. You know, he's going to a fancy restaurant that someone else really wants to go to. He probably doesn't care. You know, it would be far more, I think, reasonable and, and usual if you expected him to pay at the Timber Mill or, you know, take him to Dukes or something like McGinty, somewhere like that, and, and then he pays. Um, I'd say that, you know, that's that's where I would have, like, if I was in Fraser's shoes, I'd just been like, okay, but I'll tell you what, you take us out to the Timber Mill next week and mm-hmm. you can pay for that. And then we'll all go to the new doctor because we're having, like, reading out literally every other night and uh, we clearly need a checkup. We'll all go to a taco show. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah, so, I, no, I'm, I'm completely with you. It's, it just doesn't quite, you know... That it's not quite there in terms of like what they should be doing. Um, I, I mean, what did you say this guy's name was at Nars was? Because I wrote Winship as in like W-I-N-S-H-I-P, but is it Winchit? I thought it was Winship, but I'm open to be correct. I, I don't, I've never heard either of them, so I've got nothing to default to about what's actually the name. But I just put what kind of a name is that? And I think that stands for either Winship yeah. or Winship. Um, just class. What was his, what was his surname again? Uh, Cook. Cook. Um, Not just much debate about that. <laughs> no, no, no. That's that's relatively normal. But the four names in Nars's circle, it's like Aubrey. Um, you know, I, I'm trying to think. There was, um, you know, when he says Matthew Pym tried to stage a coup about the wine club at some point. Matthew Pym got mentioned in another episode I watched the other day. So there is a there's a recurrency to the to the kind of background names of people that they, they there is a consistency there, which I think is quite you know quite nice. Yeah. Um, we don't always get that with shows. Um, um, but- so you go. I was going to say, I mean, I was just going to move on to the next scene. And when they go back to the apartment, this is where we get, you know, Daphne basically wants them out the house tomorrow night as well. Or about yeah. tonight, I think. I think it's the following day. She wants them out the house. So is, you know, making up the lie that she's got some lovely carved stomach so she can try and make haggis. Um, I also love that she's clearly just started seeing Marshall and is brutal with him. Like, say like Donald Duck. Oh. Well, I suppose it was it was the wine that made it funny, not you. Um, yeah, it is. That's, that's so sad. Sorry, I don't know if I've got a nosebleed or. Are you okay, mate? I had a nosebleed in the night. Um, a very minor one. Um, so I thought it was recurrency there. Yeah, but she is very brutal, shutting him down. Like I hate that. Like when you do an impression, you tell a joke, or you do something for someone on cue, and then they don't respond. It's so, so awkward. You've asked me to do it. You're going to have to fake an interest and yeah. fake being on board here. Yeah, th- <laughs> this is on you to laugh now. Um, 
Frazier's face at the Cordova is, is amazing. Um, he's just absolutely chilled by by this thing. And um, bless Martin, he is so excited about showing it to him. The way he's like, I know you're going to like it. Goes running off to get it. It's, it's sad, man. It's, uh, it's really it's it's sweet as well that you know he he really wants. I mean, he, he says you know it's harder to do stuff for your kids when you get older. Um, and it's nice that he really does make an effort. He really puts some thought into it. He really tries to. To get him something that you know he clearly thinks he like, um, so I, I feel really sorry for Martin in this one. So do I. Um, I mean, on that note, what do you reckon he paid for the for the, the piece of artwork? I mean, it's going to be an extortion amount, isn't it? I mean, knowing what Martin's budget would be like, what he'd be willing to pay. I mean, it could be any anyone's guess here. I just I've took a guess at six hundred dollars. Um, I can see it being about five. You know. 500 550 you reckon um, listeners get in touch i mean the fact that he's know. having to literally he's buying it off a restaurant it's going to be a markup isn't it yeah and obviously this is but this is someone obviously francois will know martin because of frazier because of they yeah, they were there, there that weekend maybe there's a strike me as the sort of guy who's uh who's cutting deals here I mean, yeah he doesn't like when you bring your own wine so he's not going to be that <laughs> who's know, bringing their own wine to a restaurant now? honestly unless it's like a curry house or something where they've got a like you know a, a no license so they invite it um don't don't do that that's not cool um the great line from martin after i'm gone this will still be here <laughs> um just terrifying um I mean, we're back in we're back in KACL now. Um KACL rather. Um and yeah, Frazier Frazier's got a very interesting yeah call on the phone. Um, is it uh, a, just a, who do you think Greg is the voiceover? Do you know? Oh, do you do you know then? I do. I didn't know it. I accidentally saw it. Um, um I'm okay. trying to hear his voice like and then I've got, you know, moments of a proxy and aphasia and um <sighs> famous actor. You're, I think you'll know him. Can either initials or can you tell me something he's been in? Because it could be anyone. Okay. Uh, it's not Jesus Christ, but the initials are JC. Okay. Well, I'm thinking of James Cromwell. Um, I'm thinking of JC. I'll give you a clue that will blatantly get it for you. Yeah. Uh, he was born in 1966. It's Jack Charlton. <laughs> no, but I go, what? <laughs> he wasn't born in 66. What an early breakthrough Jack Charlton he, he won the World Cup before he was won. Um, no, Jack, Ch he was born in 1966. How is that, that helping me? That was the joke. It wasn't, it wasn't helpful in the all. Okay, I don't I have no idea. <laughs> Charlton, oh <laughs> Jack Charlton. Listen, oh, the, the pressure was on again. Who's now got an American accent. Jack <laughs> Charlton. The lad who was born in the north of England and went on to manage Ireland and has Listen. got a very strong American accent. <laughs> the pressure was on, Key. The way you said he was born in 1966, I thought you meant, you know, he became a man in 1966. That was when he was born when he won the World Cup. <laughs> Just thought like, you were like, honestly, like Jack Charlton. <laughs> oh, okay. one of my favourite quotes in football, actually. Like, um, someone once asked Sir Alban Ramsey why he picked Jack Charlton, and he said, um, and what what is like the most backhanded compliment, I suppose, in a while. He's like, <laughs> um, I'm 
I'm making the best team, and that means I don't always pick the best players. Wow. I, that's vile. I told that to someone who was like, you know, much older than being a fan in the 60s and stuff. He's like, oh, I thought Jack Chart was quite good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, tell was, me who it was. You know, Jack Charlton's not quite... It's, you know, it's no relation. I mean, what's going on? Um, it's John Cusack. Oh, damn it, man. I know John um, Cusack. Being John Malkovich, Hot Tub Time Machine. Say anything. Um, the Contract. I think he was in with Morgan Freeman. Mm. Um, you know, the brother of Joan Cusack. Oh, yeah. Always forget they're related. Um, yeah. I love Joan Cusack in School of Rock. Um, so yeah, he's basically he's manifesting all the symptoms that he's studying at, at, at medical school. So oh, Fraser says, know, one of the questions I was going to ask: Do you know what university he's at? Oh, I forgot to ask it, but I was going to ask because I googled it. Who says it? Him or Fraser says? Yeah, he gives like a sort of a nickname for he gives initials. I'm going to go NYU. No, oh no, why would he be phoning Seattle? No. Um, I don't think this is in Seattle, to be clear. Oh, okay. Maybe like USC, University of Southern California. I think it's, he said UW, and I think it's University of Washington. That makes a lot of sense. Um, There is a picture I I shared on my Twitter, actually, um, not that long ago, of like a a kind of a a courtyard lobby of, of University of Washington, the outlook from the university over like the Cascades. Um, Unbelievable. Um, like the view was just like, my God, what I'd give to work here. Um, his advice to to John Cusack is to postpone reading about male sexual disorder until after spring break, um, which is very nice. Raz offers some sage advice here to Frazier and Frazier just accepts it. You know, you're going to have to go home because that will still be there, that painting. It's just refreshing for her to just be talking in a way that isn't immediately lampooned by someone. And Frazier being like, yeah, you're right. Like, I don't know. I just... It, the bar is so low with Roz sometimes and the way they treat her that I was just genuinely glad that she had a scene here where she's treated like an intelligent human being. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's flag just for you. Disappointed that she only gets her standard six lines. I know, man. It's just, yeah, it's... I, I want to see more ROZ, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, um, I do love the fact though, that they both clearly acknowledge that. Um, they don't like each other's presence. You know, the vase that was destroyed in the, the earthquake, the uh, the sweater that Eddie chewed up and said she'd agree to go to a booze next year. Yeah. You, nice. But you can't go wrong with booze. With a, a week till Christmas, folks, you can't go wrong with booze. Or, genuinely, if you're buying for a man, get Links Africa, because everyone goes on that men always get Links Africa, but it's become such a thing now that no one no. buys Links Africa anymore. And so when you get Links Africa as a bloke now, it's really nice because it's actually like, oh, I can make a joke about this. I need it, you know, six six months from now when I'm going away for a couple of nights and I need to look at the back of the cupboard for some Sharajal to take with me and there's no Links Africa in there, you know, you're you're hampering me. (laughs) So buy me some, please. Back at 1901, there are the kind of Frasers trying to really tiptoe around the subject here of like, isn't it funny, you know, how some people like one thing and other people could find that distasteful, etc. Um, so what are you gonna say? It's strange. I always thought I, I was expecting like Martin to sort of pick up on it and be like, Oh, so you don't like the painting? That's he is very sad. tone deaf here, isn't it? Um, and I don't know why that's how I remembered that that scene taking place, but clearly not. Mm. So. Yeah, it's like some people like pastrami. Others don't. They're nuts. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm, I've got to be with him there. I mean, not liking 
um, not liking pastrami is mental to me. I love a good deli meat um, on, on a sandwich. Um, now, who who is it that wants a punch bowl? Ross? I always want a punch bowl, but at this stage, a soup bowl would suffice. Would suffice. Not a wassail bowl, as we get in the We Two Kings Christmas episode. Do you remember, do you remember that little uh, debate about what's a punch bowl and what's a wassail bowl? Yeah. Um, Lawrence Emery and the uh, the magical caracling group of the bad boys, the Yuletones, um, have stolen his wassail bowl. Um, an unbelievably good word now from, 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 from Niles, which I'm fairly certain, but don't quote me on this, listeners, I feel like this word comes up again at some point in the show. He uses the word paramecia, um, the fickle paramecia, um, to describe, I think, like Maris's high society friends. Just so, just so medical and visceral and cutting. It is visceral, isn't it? I love it. I just really love it. I think it's like, it's not quite calling them parasites, but it's basically calling them parasites. I love the. Uh... <laughs> I don't know, the complete lack of backbone as he as he relents and decides to go to her party instead. Yes. Um, presumably, I'm, I'm guessing he's going to tell his three confirmed guests and they're not just going to rock up at an empty apartment and he's going to be at Maris's party instead. Mm. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> he's not really thought this through, has he? Um, the wine rack is interesting, I've put. Um, if you were a wine connoisseur, you needed a place to store your wine, is this the kind of rack that you would use for such a purpose? No, uh, I'm brutally honest. It's not. I mean, he, he got it, I think. Does he say, like, I mean, he got it cheap, I think. And mm. it shows. I don't like the leaves and the branches. And but Yeah, it's very clearly artificial, like, you know, yeah. there's but no it, need for that. It's interesting that, um, you know, Niles is so upfront with him. Like, Niles doesn't play along with Fraser's game at all. He's just like, no, sorry, it won't fit in. And Martin's fine about that. And I wonder if that's because Niles doesn't buy as much from Martin. I would suspect that, you know, because Frasier lives with him, Frasier is obviously making a much bigger expenditure. You know, Martin is living with Frasier, presumably rent-free. Um, so he feels that maybe he owes Frasier a little bit more, and that's why the, the, the painting maybe means more to him, and he is desperate for Frasier to accept that, I think, maybe. Whereas with Niles... You know, Niles might buy him dinner occasionally. He might buy Niles a coffee occasionally, something like that. But it's not maybe as big a thing as it is with him and Fraser. Maybe. Oh, I think that's absolutely spot on. I hadn't really kind of you know thought about that in that way, but I think it's definitely the case that he feels a particular debt to Fraser, um, and that's why this is so so sad and and hurtful that he he doesn't kind of pay that debt with 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 something that he thinks you know it's going to be a, a home run. Um, I I mean I just. Obviously, kind of, there's a, there's bits of dialogue in between these bullet points now. We're kind of, I don't know what bits are missing, so you can fill me in. But one of like Kelsey's deliveries here, I think, is one of my favorite deliveries he ever gives. It's when he says like, "I don't love it." Yeah, it's not. That like, I don't like it. It's I, just that I don't love it. It's it says, I, 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 "I don't love it." It's not me. Like it's just so real. Like I think he uses that tone a few times in the show, and you know, various instances of it kind of coming to my head when I heard this, but. I just, yeah, it's so real. I'm just like, it's a bit of an acting masterclass, the two of them in the kitchen at this point. Um, and I'm just like, you know, it, right, this episode kind of stays pretty middle of the road. And then here it is. Here's some here's some proper acting. Here are the, you know, the guys doing what they do best here in, in the in the apartment. And I just really, I really like that. Um, obviously, Martin starts crying in the freezer. Um, and then the, the, the thing spills out into the living room and Niles comes around and everyone's crying and... Yeah. 
you know, no one wants to oh, come to, to come my, to my party. party. Um, you know, fantastic from, from David Hyde Pierce, you know, really, really doesn't have much to do. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, I've always get a little bit uncomfortable in scenes where everyone's like shouting slash arguing like Merry Christmas, Mrs. Moskowitz or this. Um, you know, it, this serves a purpose, but I don't love Frasier as a show when it's doing this. No, I, what I'd say is I, the, the crying bit, it's, it's not that this is, listen, it's not that I don't like it. It's just, I don't love it. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Basically, I, just, I feel like it's been done better. Like heartfelt scenes between Frasier and, and, um, and, and Martin. Mm. I think, you know, the chair is more heartfelt than this. Um, I think arguably um, chest pains is more heartfelt when they're talking about, you know, sort of growing up and beating your dad at things and things like that. Um, I think that Merry Christmas, Mrs. Moskowitz is much funnier than this. They do crying so much. It's very funny. You know, they were hugging by now. They were hugging by now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's done in a much funnier way. Whereas this, for me, I don't find it particularly emotional, if I'm honest, and I don't find it particularly Mm. funny. It's not, it doesn't quite, it's fine. Mm. I just don't love it. That's my, my view of that scene. I'm I'm completely with you. I, I much prefer their kind of nighttime tete-a-tete. There's kind of denouement of this episode, which gives me big give him the chair vibes. Um, the two of them in the apartment at night, reflecting on, you know, past relations and, and kind of, you know, the the standards that Martin set for Frasier and what he's actually given him over the years and um retouching story about the badge. And I know like my brother like he was a bit older than I was to appreciate my dad going out, you know, in the police and stuff, you know, particularly when he wasn't kind of just behind a desk when he was out on shift work. And, you know, my brother says he used to get scared and didn't love my dad going out to do that. And obviously I was, you know, by the time I was old enough to care, I was just too busy reading Stephen King or something to, uh, to, to really worry about it. Um, well, you, you were just like, hey, Dad, if you see any clowns, you take yeah, care. Yeah, <laughs> you take care, you take care. Um, any red balloons, don't go in, into that house. Um, but, you know, I, I get this, and I think it's, you know, ultimately them concluding what they have in common, I think is really nice. Um, kind of like a, an anticipation of, of fathers and sons, you know, way down the line when Martin kind of doubts his paternity of, of them um kind of a weird storyline but you know it's it, it ultimately has a good ending um what, what okay i don't know if i was i don't know if i've been drinking when i made this last bullet point i put what what is in the box question mark something tie oh w- what is the thing isn't it like a what is the thing it's not it's a, a bow it's a bow tie yeah I thought it was something else. I thought it was something, it's something toy. Um, it's like one of those things, like, you know, like almost like a cowboy wears. It's like on string and then it's like a pendant. Oh, I know what you mean, but uh, like a net, not a comic, sorry. Um, Let's see, what does KACL say? A bow lace, John, about, or? Um, let me have a look. Your, your, oh no, he does say your bow tie. It did, I was just adamant when he got it out of the box. It did not look anything like a bow tie, but perhaps I'm misremembering. Um, what are they called? It's, I think it's like a cow something or... Really like oh, cow- that's really going to bug me now. Cowboy um, necklace. Um, name. <laughs> We're going specific here, aren't we? Um, Cowboy ne- A bolo tie. Bolo That's tie. what he says. He says bolo tie. Does he? 
Yeah, definitely. KACL, I think, has got that wrong because I think he gets out something really weird looking. And I was like, what is that? If he said bow tie, we wouldn't, I wouldn't have like flagged anything. I definitely think he says bow low tie. Listeners, correct me if I'm wrong, please. But, you know, otherwise we'll say bow low tie. Okay, um, bow low tie. And on that note, um, <laughs> that's the end of the review. Shall we uh, hop over to listen? No, no, not listen to We've got other shit to do before that. Well, I would just say before we get to that, I loved the whole bit about you didn't think I was going to give you my badge, did you? <laughs> You had to pry that out of my cold, dead hat. Um, it's a date. <laughs> I love that. Um, is this episode in your top 10 key? Don't really think I need to ask this. but Exactly. It flies in at number one, Will. Um, <laughs> no, uh, it's, it's not in my top 10. As I say, it's a bit of a filler episode. I don't think a great deal happens in it. it it's fine. It could be on in the background, but I'm, I'm probably... It's one of those, if it's on in the background, it's probably not going to keep my full attention. I might be doing other things at the same time. It's... It's fine. It's nothing special. It's my honest answer. Hey, yeah, hey, I'm ringing my bell in agreement. Um, it's not in my top 10. Who have you gone for actor pick this week? Maybe slightly a harder decision, but... I think, yeah, yeah it, I think it's obviously going to be between Kelsey and uh, John Mahoney. I think that... Not, not Perry Gilbert. <laughs> <laughs> Perry Gilbert's six lines and Jane Leaves' is two lines. Uh, very <laughs> impressive. But um, I think that... Niles has his moments, but he doesn't do enough in the episode to really justify actor pick. But I do think the funniest moments generally come from him. Um, but I'm going to give it to John Mahoney. I really like. I, I really it feels real, and you can really relate to him in terms of his, you know, wanting to to give something to Fraser and give back to someone who really has got everything. And it's quite difficult when you're in that position to, you know, to give a gift to someone who who has a lot more money than you and a lot more of everything than you really so i i i think it's very heartfelt it's a genuine performance it's quite a raw performance which i quite like um so yeah i'm gonna give it to um give it to john mahoney but honorable shout out for francois who uh, had his moments with mm-hmm. the just the way he says happy meal and uh, big mac big mac <laughs> it brings his own wine and no no um i've gone for i've gone for calcium i've gone for fraser key but for much of the same reasons you said it was a tough decision but just some of those deliveries, particularly, you know, I don't love it. And um, yeah, just, just I'm a sucker for, for freight. Whenever there's like a paternal thing going on, a bit of a Fraser Martin dynamic, Fraser tends to edge them for me just because, I, you know, the way he seeks his dad's approval all the time, doesn't want to upset him. You know, there's just so, there's a lot of complexity going on there. So I thought Fraser did particularly well in this ep. Um, Kennedy Burling here, I'm on the ground. What does he make of this episode, please? And what's his favourite artistic subject? If he's buying a painting, what does he want to see represented in the painting? I feel himself. I, I feel, <laughs> a portrait. <laughs> um, Kennedy just has like him standing topless, having conquered something. Um... <laughs> Holding a sad peach. Ponder, yes. ponder, pondering the sadness of the peach uh, in his hand. <laughs> Thank you, Key. No further explanations needed. All that remains is to play. Whose crane is it anyway? This okay. week, your is word... It, is it bow tie? It's not bolo tie. Um, your word is natural. Natural? Natural. Oh, okay, my first thought is that it could be like um, maybe John Mahoney saying something like, oh, it's natural for a father to want to get his kids something or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've got no idea of any other context this could arise. Um, so my instinct is John Mahoney trying to explain to Fraser that it's natural for like a father, you know, it's natural 
that it's harder to get stuff for your kids when you, they get older, something like that. John Mahoney. I'm afraid it's Roski. Down that uh, Ros. When they're talking about their gifts. Well, I assume they did that when they hit the bottom of the garbage chute, but I blamed it on the earthquake. And the point is, you need to talk to your father now and be honest with him, or you're going to be stuck with that thing until the next natural disaster. Um, there you go. A tough one this week, but I have had to make them harder because it's a really hard exercise. Um, <laughs> shall we jump over to listener mail this week? Eh? Yes. Which thread do I need to go to? It is the mixed doubles thread. Mixed doubles. Okay. Raz, who's our next caller? So thank you everyone who wrote in this week. Um, quite a few of you have got in touch. Um, some messages are particularly long, so we might have to abridge. Um, there's a particularly in, insightful one about Gerard and his uh, performance at Villa, which we, uh, we we have read, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, Perfectly Cromulent Me says, Hey gang, long time listener, first time caller. I'm enjoying this podcast so much. Best way to start off my week. In regards to your confusion as to why Martin yells for Daphne to answer the phone and says, I've been waiting 30 years to do that. Most kids yell for their parents to come to the phone rather than going to get them. Is this maybe just an American thing? My guess is that Fraser and Niles did this when they were young, which doesn't necessarily fit their personalities. And Martin is just paying them back for that. Anywho, love you guys. Love the show. You brighten up these dark Minnesota days. Ah, yeah, That's the reason, because it doesn't necessarily fit their personalities. That's the reason I didn't think it didn't click with me, because I just don't picture them shouting someone for the phone. Yeah. Um, I'd never pick the phone up. They'd be, scott- they'd be shy, I think, of picking the phone up. But, I but it's, just it's say- a good interpretation. I, I think that message really um, embiggened this podcast. Eh, they're going to get that. They're going to get go. that. <laughs> uh, next up, we've got Ludicrous Poppinjay, who thanks us for a top tier instalment. You did the episode that gave me my name justice. Oh, oh, I love to hear nice. it. Love to hear it. Um, this episode makes me happy for all the obvious reasons. Uh, I actually think the actor playing Rodney did a pretty decent job of capturing David Hyde Pierce's mannerisms. Um, I kind of saw the character as having to be more Niles than Niles himself. Otherwise, the premise doesn't um, really work if he's just a bit more of a sophisticated departure from the blue-collared guys that Daphne has previously dated. Um, Welcome to Potatoes is from Season 7, Episode 9. Oh, my God. Trap. Okay, Um, can I just quickly interject? Um, I I should have done a formal apology at the beginning (laughs) of this. Basically, when there was the potato debacle, I had just that previous day or night with Charles watched The Apparent Trap. Um, which has welcome to potatoes in. We then have a potato heavy episode reviewing. Potatoes got conflated. Okay, I was thinking of the wrong potatoes. I am so, so sorry to Corey. I should never, ever just, you know, misjudge his uh, his judgment of, of Frasier, his knowledge. Um, so there's a lot of people that correct us on this on listener mail. So we've we've read the first one out now. And other than Corey's, we might just skip over the others, if you don't mind, listeners, purely because I'm well aware. I am in the poo-poo, in we, the proverbial. That apology, but I don't think it's accepted. Please, can, uh, I'm begging you. I'm, I'm not sure if, if we have any Australian listeners, but please don't mention the ashes. Um, no, please. It's not going well. We know that. We're um, begging you. We accept that. We're, we're happy to move on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so Ludicrous Pop and Jay continues um, that he, he loves to... It, it, is it he? She? I forget which. It's, it's her, I think. Poppy J. Yeah. Yeah, it's a he. Yeah, it is he, yeah. Um, yeah, um, loves the line of how flattering they've named a bar after her. Nice. Um, and in terms of the end scene at Granville's, uh, we hear Miles say that his heart wasn't in the relationship with Adele um, and would never work because his mind was on, someone else was too much on his mind. Daphne's reply, um, I thought it might not. Um, he thinks that 
uh, that was Jane Leaves and, and that, you know, Daphne always knew sort of approach um, at work there. But um, loves the performance from both um, David Hyde Pierce and from Jane. Um, I hope you get the same some sense of how much fun and good vibes your podcast has been giving me and many, many others. Thank you again for all your hard work. And I'll take this opportunity to apologise to all the listeners for the delays because they are entirely my fault. Um, oh, don't worry, don't worry. We are in the new year. We're going to... New Year's resolution is to be more on top of it and more available. Hell yeah. <laughs> I love that. Um, you might want to actually just bring it a little bit oh, closer. Well, <laughs> this is why we need to sort the other mic. <laughs> is that any better? Yeah, that's fine. So, have, the, have the listeners all just missed my heart? Like, apology. No, 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 no. You can hear it. It's just a bit quiet. Um, okay. But no, it's fine. It's um okay. Miss Worcester twenty two puts. Oh my goodness, guys! I uh, goodness, guys! I think you may have wounded our Corey. Hello, welcome to potatoes. This is from the apparent trap. Um, there we go. Eight times the word potatoes in the script, but one of them is a stage direction. So seven is the right answer. Maybe one of you should shave your head for Corey. Well, um, do that. Sorry. That could be you, Will. I could. I mean, I think I'd look terrible if Corey really wants that. Um, mixed doubles, what a fabulous episode. I especially love the end with Daphne and Niles sat in the bar. Top class acting from both. Jewelry and sex aren't that important. Not to sound like a stereotypical woman, but you can't go wrong with a bunch of flowers. My boyfriend often brings home bunches that are reduced because the shop would be chucking them out the next day because he knows I like to give. I like to try and give things a bit of a longer life. Plus, it's a win-win. Cheapo flowers for him means I get them more often. Haha. <laughs> Wonderful episode, guys. Thanks again. Especially excited for Our Father, whose art ain't heaven, as it's in my top ten! Oh! Holy hell! Although it may not be an episode that stands out to many, I think the acting, the jokes, as well as the dynamic between the three crane men is superb writing, reminiscent of Dinner at Eight, also in my top ten. You guys are fabulous humans. Please send thanks to your parents. Amy, God bless you. And love that it's in your top ten. Love it. It's, um, it's always so nice to hear sort of contrasting opinions of episodes. So. Mm, a bit like with me in the Impossible Dream. I don't think it's in any listener's top 10 bar mine. So that was quite a nice, you know, it's little just you. In the entire world, mate, just you. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's great to hear. And in terms of buying flowers, I, I haven't bought my girlfriend flowers recently. I did buy her a real Christmas tree this year, though. Mm. Um, it was six pounds in Tesco. Really? Six? Six pounds is reduced from 25. How big's the tree? About six foot. What? Where did yeah. you get it? What do you mean? Where? It just went down to Tesco. No, no, when? Oh, last week. Oh, my God. It's I'm like, guessing it's... not many people are buying Christmas trees on, like, the 11th of December, which is why it was so heavily reduced. Have you, like, decorated it? Or is it plain? Yeah. yeah, it looks really nice, actually, yeah. Dad, oh, send me a pic. Just how much, like, Christmas trees, like, malt. Oh, God. There is bloody, like... I'd... Twigs everywhere, not twigs, you know what I mean. Needles. Needles, there's needles everywhere. Oh no, you have to get the ones that have been like sprayed. Oh, but it's it's nice, yeah. Oh, can you please send me a pic after this I, recording? I'll, yeah, I'll send you a pic, mate. I'll I love seeing pic, people's mate. Christmas trays. Oh god. <laughs> um, next up, I think we've got um Queen Shortcoming, uh, who says uh, my podcast app doesn't let me leave reviews. Um, so this will have to do. Uh, my family and I just had the distinctly gruelling experience of moving house this week. Um, every heavy lifting, dusty, emotionally exhausting moment was made just a little bit more bearable because I had yours podcast reruns in my ear for hours on end. It's hilarious yet homey, thoughtful yet conversational. No lie, you'll save me from some just so overwhelmed tears these last few days. Thank you. That is so bloody lovely. So nice. And I'm, I, you know, I hope that you're settling into the new house and that it's all gone well. The 
the heavy lifting in the movie's done just in time for Christmas. So you can sort of really settle in and have a nice, cozy Christmas in the new place. Amen. And maybe like in years to come, listening to this podcast again will remind you of, of that transition period when you moved house and those moving days. Um, love that. And we kind of linked to this, a little shout out to, uh, to Lloyd Griffiths, um, who's been listening to a lot of this podcast. You know, you know, remember Lloyd from, from St. Edward's? Yeah. You, know, be, you know, Ben, Ben yeah, Rivers. Ben. Yeah, it's Ben's cousin. Um, oh, okay. Maybe, I, maybe I you wouldn't kidding. know. I don't know if you'd know Lloyd as much as I do. I, I don't remember. I don't maybe remember. not, but Lloyd's been listening to a lot of this. And he, he, um, he told me the other day, because he does gigging, he was traveling somewhere and he listened to six episodes on the drive on his and it, honestly just incredible so I Lloyd... I was gonna say that um i was doing a gig and everyone was listening to you mate i shot do you know where <laughs> they're yeah yeah we're listening um, well, um, I, I, will, I will give a shout out to ben he messaged me um on facebook this week and said uh we're in his spotify wrapped for the second I, year on the bounce i love that we had a few incredible. listeners on twitter do the same man so keep that coming people we'd love to see that um and also a shout out to someone called a steve gomez um that's from we two kings i just realized that we haven't actually seen that episode um i thought that was a reference you you would get and i realized i'm the one that watched that christmas episode um not you so apologies <laughs> okay hopefully the fraser fans got something there um vandalay who i, I don't know if you've ever seen before mixed doubles is one of my favorite episodes might be my top 10 if i sat down and thought about it interestingly this episode aired in november 1996 and friends did the one with russ in january 96 which is a very similar premise i wonder if the fraser writers were inspired based on what i know of sitcom writing timelines they would have written this after the friends one aired by the way in the last episode i think you mentioned loving database things well i've been sitting on some stuff i had pulled and it finally motivated me to post it if you haven't seen it you might be interested um now it's really good if you click that link um people so go and check this out on reddit for, on our on our mixed doubles thread there is a link on van Lay's comment to a bunch of um of stats where basically it's each character's like word percentage um for like the top 20 or so episodes that they're in um and it shows you kind of the, the percent they have and, and their least as well um it's really cool uh if you just like kind of crunching the numbers um and seeing who kind of speaks oh there's absolutely there's episodes by character as well um there's the wordiness so the most wordy episodes um so something borrowed something blue is the most um the least wordiest three valentines because obviously we have you know an entirely silent segment so really really great stuff also they note that we were australian um oh my god what the hell, man? I, I, I think uh, we, you got us, guys. We are Australian. I've man. had this all my Go life, on, Mitchell man. Stark, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I've had this all my life, man. What the hell? What the hell? I mean, I'm, say, I'm prepared to fake being Australian for the next few weeks. It's better than pretending to support us. Yes, agreed. <laughs> um, so, yeah, next up, we've got very droll. Off you go. Um, hey, guys, I've listened to all the episodes, and it just keeps getting better and better. Great job. Um, first time commenting in a while, but since sports was mentioned, and that's my area of expertise outside of Frasier, I thought I'd offer my two cents. And they gone and said that the Babe Ruth and the No No Nanette story is not true, it's a myth. And similarly, the Say It Ain't So job is also a myth. Apparently, there was a video that came um, out in the um, 80s and um, 90s, and then um, basically the video showed there was no kid there. Um, apparently, as well, Shoeless Joe Jackson, um, I'm getting from this, is that 
he wasn't one of the players who'd actually, you know, f- match fixed. Um, but because of the scandal, he was banned anyway, despite being one of the best players in baseball history. Um, so yeah, very, very interesting. In terms of uh, the White Sox, um, they also did a book about it and eventually a movie about it called Eight Men Out. It was released in 1988 and starred John Mahoney as the manager of the White Sox. No way! Um, definitely worth a watch, I think. Um, and then next up, uh, the, the Curse of the Bambino is true. They went from 1918 until 2004 until they won another World Series. Um, but they've made up for it since they won in, again in 2007, 2013 and 2018. Uh, the White Sox had their own curse as they only got to the World Series once between 1919, which is the Black Sox handle, and 2005 when they won it. Um, they made it but lost in 1959. Uh, as for the episodes, completely agree on season four. Already great episodes and many more to come. Keep up the great work. Until next time, off I go. Off I go. Thank you so much. Um, next up is Ellen55. Um, Ellen, we loved your comment as Villa fans, football fans. Um, some really good insights into, into Rangers and, uh, and Gerard's time there. Um, just in the interests of, of kind of, you know, time on this episode, we're, we're not going to read your comment out if that's okay, just because it is, it is quite long and it's very specific. But any football fans out there, please uh, go and check it out. Someone actually responded, got to be the longest listener mail ever with a, clap, a clapping emoji. Um, I don't think it was meant facetiously. Um, I am wounded, but hey, Wellinky, thanks for another fantastic episode. I love mixed doubles. Not sure it would be my top 10, but it's definitely up there for me. I think the concept is hilarious, but I agree that Rodney's performance doesn't come close to DHPs, but then who could? Um, in terms of the whole, is Daphne flirting with Niles question? My reading is that she's already attracted to him on some level, but doesn't even realize it herself at this point. I think we already see this in season one with Midwinter's Night's Dream, again in Moondance, then yet again later to this season in Daphne hates Sherry. Obviously her feelings are nowhere as, in, nowhere as intense as Niles's, but it makes sense that there's a spark as they ultimately end up together and share great chemistry. It's further testament to the strength of the writing. When Daphne eventually falls for Niles, she thinks it's come out of the blue, but she's subconsciously felt something all along. Huge fan of the podcast. I've already listened all the way through, but find it so comforting that I've started playing it from the beginning in the background while I'm working. And I find it, as I find it so comforting. Keep up the great work, guys. Lovely, lovely stuff. Uh, next, we've got Sydney Aspasket, who at first couple of paragraphs about the potatoes. Will is aware, and yes, thank you, thank you, Sydney. <laughs> um, so about mixed doubles, it was better executed with Rodney and Niles than when Friends did it, with the whole prospective lover dating a carbon copy of a character. In Friends, obviously, the episode the one with Ross, in which David Schwimmer plays both Ross Geller and a guest character called Ross, who Rachel dates and Ross hates, uh, very much like our own Niles with Rodney. Um, they're the same in so many ways, uh, yet the character fails to see his nemesis is the same as himself. Um, one of my favourite, I will just put out from the episode, the one with Ross, I think that it has a line in which, um, I think it's Ross who says it, it, it could be Ross. Um, he goes, um, and I've forgotten it now. Uh, <laughs> it's something like that. Um, oh, oh God, I forget that. Let's cut that out. Um, oh, no, I want to know what the line is. It's like, it's like oh, um, you could say that. But you would be wrong, or something yes. like that. Yes, I can't remember. He, it he says it up really cockily, and yeah, yeah. No, that rings. Out. I like the one with Russ. Um, um, it's, it's early, isn't it? It's like season one or two. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, I think it's like season two because it's when they break up for the first time. I think. Yeah. Um, oh, that's really gonna bug me about that. You could be. You would be wrong. It's something to do. Oh no, no, that's not even the line. I'm completely. I can't remember it now. Yeah. Um, Step that last. Let's cut that out. Um, no, I'm leaving it. I'm leaving it. Go, go, go. It's um, 
you could try, but you would not be successful. But you would not be successful. And the yeah. way he says that, man. Oh, oh my that, god. Um, it is. I, I realize I've lost some of the like the the aroma of me saying it's my favorite line by the fact that I forgot it and then misquoted <laughs> it. But I really do like that line. I use it a lot in everyday conversation. But you would not be successful. <laughs> <laughs> So um, good, but yeah, they go on to say, uh, Key, I sent Will the link to the Red Dwarf scene about Wilma and Betty. It's perfect comedy, and I too love Red Dwarf. For those unfamiliar, um, the scene is the opening sequence in the episode Backwards, which is season three, episode one, an award winning episode. Anyway, I seem to have gone off subject and rambled on for far too long. Roz would have cut me off by now. Cheery bye, Sydney. Lovely stuff. Um, MK puts, I have Russian and Slavic blood, according to Ancestry.com DNA, and you question my potato expertise. These two ingrates turn to me like vipers and make me the villain of the piece. Well, hear me now. This day forward, Mischief Knight will not interfere with those two. This is it. Finished. Finito. Non bombastia. I jest, of course. No worries. Not bitter. Has nothing to do at all with why I've been silent the past two reps. It hasn't. I've spoken to Corey. He's fine. Don't worry, listeners. Um, so sorry I missed the Thanksgiving. Just wanted to get on the record of saying it's in my top 10, but I'll chime in more about that during the season recap. I also love Less Than Jake and also learned of them due to the skateboard game, but mine was the early one, Street Skater. I've not even heard of that game, but lovely stuff. I also perform coach slash uh, improv. Um, sorry, perform slash coach uh, improv. So please sign me up for Blue in the Norse, Frasier Troop. Trivia and fun bits for our father who's our ain't heaven. Is it the first and only time we see La Cigar Valon? I think it might be. Um, Frasier's fireplace mantle has now boasted a Cordoba and a rip-off Paxton. Frasier, uh, Martin got the wine rack for Nars at Price Busters, the same place where Nars discovered when economising in when their smoke this fired. And the first time that Frasier and Martin cried together in the apartment, the next time will be Merry Christmas, Mrs. Moskowitz. Lovely, lovely stuff. Uh, next to we've got Reckless 77 who says, lads, I was just as confused as you were when you read my comment about Joe being dickish for breaking up with Daphne. I could have sworn she explained why exactly he dumped her. Maybe she does it in a later episode. Who knows? I haven't seen the series since early last year. Uh, our father who art ain't heaven. I felt bad for Martin when he bought that painting out, having spent so much money thinking he bought Frazier something he really wanted. Um, I've been in that position too. Well, Frazier's actually. So I knew how Frazier felt. Um, the crying scene turned out to be the best part of this episode for me. It just got funnier and funnier. And by the time Niall started, I was crying too, with laughter, of course. God help me wonder what would have happened if Daphne had walked in. I mean, what would have happened? I mean, that's I'd... a perfect way to meet Marshall, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Thank you, regular cracking stuff. Uh, Cam Winston puts, my boys, firstly, sign me up to be part of Blue in the North, Frasier Gang. Let's get this party started. Anyway, other stuff. You were talking about flowers and whether you've got them before in a relationship or some such. Well, I have dated not one, but two ladies who refuse to have flowers as a gift. Why? Because they die. Flowers die, Hamish, so I don't want them. I'm sure Kennedy would have an opinion on this. Heck, he'd probably look at them when they were wilting and they'd come back to life out of pure fear. My good friend Sidney Asbasket mentioned about Victor Meldrew, Richard Wilson, not liking the line, I don't believe it, but the line itself becoming an iconic catchphrase. Fun fact about another celebrity not liking an iconic memorable moment in their career, Slash from Guns N' Roses hates the intro riff for Sweet Child of Mine. He used it initially as a finger scale on the guitar to warm up, and Axl Rose loved it so much they made it into a song. Since I found out that fact, whenever I play on my guitar, that's all I can think of. I don't want to offend anyone here, but I really do not like Guns N' Roses. Um, I really, really don't like them. But I think that that's a great anecdote. And Hamish, I'll defend your right to love Guns N' Roses till the end. Um, but yeah, 
thought I'd just cash in some two cents there. And I think last comment of the day, we've got Caitlin who says, another great episode, gents. Um, first, let me say, I've never seen such shade being tossed around regarding the beloved potato. God, oh, um, potato gate. <laughs> of course, the entire mailbag cracks me up. Um, I've got some comments on our father who's our ain't in heaven. Um, I agree with Niles. Fraser shouldn't have worn that tie with that jacket. <laughs> uh, also, so much for waiting for a good long time before she dates again. Isn't that what Daphne told Niles at the end of the mixed doubles? So, who is this Marshall guy? Mm. Um, up the we're listening. Hot house orchid. Oh, lovely stuff. Thank you, everyone who got in touch this week. So great to hear from you. Um, it's been a while since we've sifted through the mailbag, so feels really good next week hopefully um but we don't know you know well some point soon we will be back with daddle of sherry the boys just next week of course is christmas day we won't be recording (laughs) next week um this this episode you're listening to now will be out on boxing day so it is boxing day if you're listening to this everyone um but that means there won't be an episode the week after this coming out um around new year um, so it's going to be early jam before you hear us again. Um, but it will be Dad of Sherry, the boys just wine, our Sherry Dempsey on the scene. Um, we get to get to meet her. But, but until then, I've been Will. I've been Kay. And thank you very much for listening to We're Listening. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling, tossed salads and scrambled eggs. Oh, man. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegs. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs.